This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. everyone. Good morning. Well, almost good morning. Almost good morning. Thank you for coming. Matzei Shabbat. Slichot. You're saying already Slichot since uh, Rosh Chodesh Elul tonight for the Ashkenaz. For the Ashkenaz, we start saying Slichot tonight. So Hashem makes everything fair. The Ashkenaz have three weeks before Tishabov. We can't shave. We can't listen to music. We have all the halachot of Tishabov we have for three weeks before. The Sfardim have only Shua Shechobo, the week that Tishabov is in. So we get back Slichot. You say Slichot from Elul, we start saying Slichot tonight. So everything works out. Anyway, Baruch Hashem, it's a pleasure to be here. I have to tell you that, um, I don't know if the girls in Great Neck know about this, if the women in Great Neck know about this, but uh, my agent, I have an agent. You know, when you're a rabbi and you speak, you have to have an agent. It's here, you know. So my agent said to me, he said, Rabbi Wallstein, you can't go to Great Neck. You can't speak this Motzeh this Shabbat. I said, why not? He says, you're having a big thing in Brooklyn. We rented out Brooklyn College. We did this last year also. And uh, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on the 18th of September, Tuesday night, we rented out Brooklyn College only for women. And we, have, we give a shear. It's a big event for all the women. Last year, it was full. It was sold out, 2,300 women. And last year, Rabbi Goldwasser spoke, Rabbi Eli Mansour spoke, myself. So this year, we're doing the same thing, Bezrat Hashem. It's a big Kiddush Hashem. To have 2,300 women that come just to learn Torah. No guys, no boys, just, just, just women. There's no other reason that they come only to learn Torah. And my agent said, if you're going to speak in Great Neck, let's say Shabbat, you're not going to sell tickets for, for Tuesday night on, on the 18th. I said, but you don't understand. I came to Great Neck way before there was Avina Malkeno. So Great Neck comes before Avina Malkeno. So that's why I'm here tonight. But I wouldn't mind if all the women in the women's section buy tickets after this year for, <laughs> for Avina Malkeno for the event. So Bezrat Hashem, after this year, um, I guess between the end of this year and the beginning, are you saying Slichot tonight? I think, what, 1 o'clock? Is that the schedule? Slichot at 1 o'clock? So between the end of the year and the beginning of Slichot, Bezrat Hashem, we're going to sell tickets for Avinu Malkeinu. What I, on the way here, I said, you know, I have to show my appreciation, because the truth is that when I first started teaching girls, the first started teaching girls, one of the first places I spoke publicly was here, was in Great Neck. That was almost three years ago. And it was so amazing. It was a different shul, but it doesn't matter what shul it was in. It was so amazing that it gave me the strength to continue speaking in many, many different places. So I really want to thank everyone for, for being here tonight. Um, specific thanks to the organizers of this, of this uh, evening, and a specific set thanks to the Namati family, because the first time I came to Great Neck, actually, it was the, the Namati, Dorian Namati, who was coming to Arnava in, in Brooklyn, and she said, I come from a place called Great Neck. I said, where's that? She said, it's in Long Island. I said, really? Does the place Great Neck in Long Island? She said, yeah, maybe you'd like to come meet my parents. So I met her parents and ended up meeting some other people in the community. And Baruch Hashem, you have a wonderful, wonderful community. And you should continue growing, getting closer to Hashem, building many different shuls and many groups. The guys are really growing. The girls, of course, are really growing. And you should just continue getting closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this should be the place to be. Great Neck should be the place to be for Ruchnius. Not just for Gashmir, not just for physical things, but this should be the place for spirituality. You want spirituality? Where do you go? Great, Yushalayim. Not Yushalayim? Great Neck. Nezrat <laughs> Hashem. Okay, we're learning for Zivug. Liba Bat Rachel, Rina Bat Rachel, Ilaha Goa, Chaya Bat Shoshana, Louise, Eliyahu, Ben Esther, Asnat Maya Bat Yivagal, Shfrida, Dorid Vora, Bas Miriam, Bat Yibat Esther, Farhad Ben... Abji and Menashe ben Sarah. So we have one, two, three, four guys and about five girls. So work it out. What do you need me to... <laughs> First one to the third one, the third one to the sixth one. What do you need my help for? Work it out. Okay. So 
I love. I usually talk much longer, but tonight I have to go to Slichot in Brooklyn, so it's going to be short. But we'll try to get everything into a into a short shear. So we're going to ask a few questions, and I'm going to take all these questions, and we're going to give one answer to these questions. So the question is like this: Everybody knows when you leave the Beit Knesset, Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat Hashem, Wednesday night, Rosh Hashanah. When you leave the Beit Knesset, you turn not only to your friend; doesn't have to be a friend. To every other, every Jew in in the synagogue, every Jew in shul, right? And you wish him a good year and a healthy year, Lashana Tova. Depends if it's a girl or a man. Take a and we go over to each other and we say, "You should have, you should be written and you should be signed in the book of life." Shiva Tova, right? We go over, we tell everybody that. Let me ask you something: Does anyone in this room think that? If you sin a whole year, you do everything bad that you could imagine. Right? You sin a whole year. You do a verot a whole year. Now, somebody in shul comes over to you and says, Shana tova, tova. In Shemayim they go, Oh! Someone said, have a good year? Forget about all the bad he did. Let's give him a good year because Chaim told Maishi, have a good year. How does that work? By telling someone to have a good year, you think that makes a difference in Shemayim? Then you come home, you make Kiddush, and again, Ashkenaz and Svarad are a little bit different in what we call Simana de Milsa. These are signs, these are representations of things that we have on the table, and the first thing we have is an apple. And we dip the apple, you do that, dip the apple in the honey? Okay, good, so we're all on the same page. Dip the apple in the honey. So, it used to be a song when we were little kids, dip the apple in the honey, make a bracha, right? Changed a little bit this generation. The kids in my class are saying, dip the apple in the honey, I hope we make a lot of money. <laughs> that's the, that's the, uh, a new, a new Yehiratsan just came out. One kid said to me, he says, my father has a totally new minog. He takes celery, you know what celery is, green celery, and he dips it in raisins. I said, what? Celery and raisins? He says, yes, and he says to Hashem, you should give me a raise in my celery. Okay. <laughs> my celery. All right. There's a couple of others, but I'm not here. To, uh, you're saying slichot tonight. I'm not here to make jokes. Fine. So we come home, we dip an apple in the honey, and we say a bracha by priyates, and we say Yehiratzal Mufanecha, Hashem Elokeinu Velokei Avosenu Shitechadesh Oleinu Shanatova Umisuka. Everybody, Amen. Hashem should give us a new year of good and sweet good year. So let me ask you something. That's why you're going to have a sweet good year? Because you bought an apple and you're dipping it in honey? Does that make sense to anybody here? Is that a reason that you should have a good year? A person the whole year was doing the wrong thing? He comes home? He should start saying, I did this, Hashem, please forgive me. I can't believe I did this, Hashem, please forgive me. To turn around to his wife, say, please be Michael me. His mother, please be Michael me. His mother-in-law, please be Michael me. His father, and, right? That's what you should do. No, you come home, take an apple, dip it in the honey. Hashem, give me a good year. Why? Because I dipped an apple in the honey. Does that make any sense? We're saying slichot. Slichot, slichot. No, don't give me a good year because I said slichot for the last month. Give me a good year because I dipped the apple in the honey. How does dipping, dipping an apple in the honey going to give you a good year? And why an apple? Did anyone in this room ever think, why an apple? An apple is not one of the Sheva Minim of Eretz Yisrael. It's not a fig, it's not a date, it's not an olive. Why an apple? Why not a banana? Why not an orange? Why an apple? Why not a pear? Why an apple? And why in honey? Why not in sugar? And if you're going to tell me that honey is the word for honey is divash. And divash is the gematria equals the word av harachamim, my father who has pity. So that's the reason that the rabbis say you dip it in divash. Because divash equals av harachamim. So we want to remind Hashem that He's our father and He should have pity on us. But everyone here knows that divash is not bees honey. When you say Eretz Zavas Chalavu Devash in the Torah, it's talking about date honey. The Shiva Minim, the date. When we say Chitas Ora, the Shiva Minim, we say Devash. Devash doesn't mean bees honey. Devash means date honey. So if you're going to tell me that I should dip an apple in honey, I want to know 
Why an apple? And why bees honey? Why not date honey? You have lamb's head, right, on the table. The head of a lamb. And you say, Laroche, below Lazano. This year should be the head and not the tail. That's why Hashem's going to give you a good year, that you're going to be at the head of everything, because you had lamb chops or lamb head on your, on your table and you ate it. The night of Rosh Hashanah is a night of holiness, spirituality. Why are we sitting and dipping? You think it's Pesach again. Now Pesach, Maror, is in memory of Mitzrayim. Matzah is in memory of Mitzrayim. Everything's in memory of something. So that I understand. I understand that if I was a very poor man, and when I was very poor I had a ripped shirt that I used to wear all the time because I don't have money for a new shirt. And then I became very wealthy. Big millionaire, multi-millionaire. I live in the, the biggest house in Great Neck. Multi-millionaire. But once a year, I want to remember what it was like when I was poor. So once a year, I put on my shirt, that ripped shirt. I put on the ripped shirt to remember what it felt like to wear a ripped shirt. So that's in memory, that's Pesach. But what are we doing here? Apple and honey is not in memory of anything. The head of a fish is not in head of black-eyed peas. Right? Eat black-eyed peas. That's not in memory of anything. So, if it's not in memory, why am I wasting my time the night of Rosh Hashanah when I should be in shul, praying and crying, Hashem, it's, I'm being judged for life, please help me. Why am I wasting my time with apples and honey and all this stuff? It's a very beautiful, very deep answer, which is very important for everyone in this room to know in order to celebrate Rosh Hashanah correctly. In the Navi, in Nehemiah, I'm not going to go too deeply into it. There was a Navi, his name was Nehemiah who's together with Ezra, Hasofer. After their base, Hamidish was destroyed, they came back from Persia to Israel. They were building the base Hamidish again. And a lot of Jews did not come back. A lot of Jews said, no, we have nice houses, we're not going to Israel. A few Jews came to Israel. It was one of the reasons, one of the terrible things, Hashem finally built the second base Hamidish, and everybody was busy in their businesses, they didn't want to come to Yushalayim. But a bunch of Jews came with Ezra and Nehemiah to Yushalayim. When did they get there? On the first day, Rosh Hashanah. On the first day, Rosh Hashanah, and Perichas and Nehemiah, what happened was, Nehemiah and Ezra came out and they said to the Jews, it's been a long time since you've seen a Sefer Torah. They took out a Sefer Torah, they opened it up, and they began to read from the Sefer Torah. And the Jews got so emotional, they were so emotional, after not having a Beis Hamidosh for so many years, coming back to Israel and having a base of Migdash, they began to scream and they began to cry when they saw the Sefer Torah. Beautiful, right? It's a good thing to do on Rosh Hashanah, to cry and to scream and to ask for forgiveness. So what did the Navi say to them? The Navi said the following. He said, listen carefully. He said, Hayom, today, Kodesh Hula Hashem It's a very holy day for God. Altis Avlu. Don't be sad. And don't cry. Why? Because the whole nation was crying when they heard the Torah. They finally came back. They were emotional. They were crying. They were doing tshuva. And he gets up, the rabbi, like if you were all tonight, crying. And, and, and Hashem, forgive us. And, and getting close to Hashem. And I'd say, no, no, no. No, no, no. Stop crying. Stop crying. What, rabbi? What? Let's go to the corner to the restaurant, and let's get a good dinner with some wine, and let's have a good time. You'd say, Rabbi, you, you, you're the wrong rabbi or the wrong holiday. It's not Purim, it's Rosh Hashanah. But look what happens here. The Jews are crying, and the Nabi says to them, don't cry. And he says, go home. Go eat delicious food. Drink Diet Coke. Well, not Diet Coke. It's not sweet because it's Diet Coke. But drink regular Coca-Cola and Sprite and Snapple. Go home and drink sweet, good drinks. The Shilchu Manot and send presents. Hello? Hello, everybody. It's Rosh Hashanah. Not Purim. What are they talking about over here? The Shilchu Manot, send Shlach Manos. To people who don't 
Kikodosh Hayom Adonenu because today is a holy day for God. It didn't work. The Jews looked at this great Navi and this great Rabbi and they said, there's something wrong here. What are you talking about? And they continued to cry. They're crying. They're doing tshuva. Their neshama is unraveling. They're doing tshuva to Hashem. So they continued crying. So the Levium got up. And the Levium said, Shah, be quiet. Hasu. Hasu means shh. Told all the Jews, stop crying. Why are you crying? Today's holy. Don't be depressed. At that point, they realized that for some reason, this prophet and this rabbi and all these tzaddikim are sending us home to eat. There must be something to it. So they went home. They sent shlachmanos on Rosh Hashanah. They sent presents. Cake. Not hamantashen because it's the wrong holiday. Cake and apples and honey and all the things that we send on shlachmanos on, on Rosh Hashanah, they sent to each other. The last day, Simcha they made a big party. On Rosh Hashanah. Ki hevinu bidvarim asher hodiyalahem because they finally understood what they were telling them. And the, I'm sorry, and the Navi doesn't tell us what they understood. So tonight I'd like to tell you what they understood. And I'd like to tell everyone in this room a little bit about Rosh Hashanah that you don't know about. Rosh Hashanah, which is coming up Wednesday night, was the sixth day of creation. Rosh Hashanah was the day that the human being was created. On the day that the human being was created, three things happened. He was created, he sinned, and he did tshuva. Three things. Therefore, Rosh Hashanah is the day to do tshuva. Now, why did God create us? Why did God create the world? Does anyone here know why God created the world? So there's a Rashi. And the Rashi says, that on the third day it says God created flowers and plants and fruits and all kinds of beautiful things that grow. You go up to the mountains, to the Hamptons, wherever you go, things grow, beautiful trees. Hashem created that on the third day. On the sixth day, it says, nothing grew. There were no plants. If you look after like, Shabbos, it says, there were no plants in the world, there were no trees, there were no flowers, until it rained, and it didn't rain until there was a human being, which means that nothing grew till the sixth day in the afternoon when we were created. So the rabbis asked, that's a conflict, a contradiction. It says on the third day Hashem created the world, the plants grew, and now it says on the sixth day nothing grew. Make up your mind. Did the plants grow or didn't they grow? So Rashi says that everything grew to the surface, to the surface. In other words, when Adam was created, he looked out, he saw a desert. There was nothing there. All the trees and the flowers and the roses and everything that was grown grew to the surface of the earth. And when Adam came to the, when the, Hashem said, rain, I'm not going to bring rain until there's a person because I need someone to appreciate what I did. And therefore, until the person was created, and he looked around, he said, what's going on here? It's a desert, there's nothing growing. Hashem said, now I'll make it rain. It rained, and when the water touched the ground, like magic, all the trees came out, all the plants came out, all the tomatoes came out. The whole world, from one second being a desert, was all green. Why? Hashem needs you and me to say thank you. Hashem doesn't need me and you to say thank you. He created a world, so we should say thank you. God forbid. God forbid. He could have made a tape. And played the tape in Shemayim. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. He didn't have to create us to make thank you. But the connection between us and Hashem comes through what we call in Hebrew, Hakarat HaTov. Comes through appreciating something. And therefore, Hashem said, how does a human being get connected to me? B'tfilah. By praying. What is the main prayer? The main prayer is the connection between us and Hashem. Is saying, thank you Hashem for what I have. That is the connection between a human being and God. If you don't have that connection, all your tefillin and your tzitzes and your shabbat and your slichot and all your praying, shumdava does nothing. The connection between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is thank you, is appreciation. If you don't appreciate Hashem, 
There's no connection. And that's why the Torah tells us that until a human being came into this world, and until he prayed for rain, until he said thank you to Hashem, nothing grew. The minute he said thank you to Hashem, everything grew. And that is why the first prayer that we all say in the morning is what? What's the first prayer we say in the morning? Modani. What is Modani? Thank you. That's it. So, Modani, do you have to wash Negevasa? You have to wash your hands? No. You have to go to the bathroom? No. You're supposed to say Modani before you go to the bathroom. Before you wash your hands, if you keep paws on the floor, because you know there's that angel at night, it's called the Yamaka angel, Kippah angel. When you go to sleep, it's on your head, and the next morning it's under your bed, in the kitchen. How did my kippah go down? This is, my father used to tell me, there's an angel. He's called the yamak. He takes your yamak, puts it on his head, and he dances around the house. Because guys know, no matter you put 14 bobby pins in your head, you wake up, it's not on your head. Not on your head. So even if there's no kippah on your head in the morning, you have to say, Modani, why? What do you mean? I didn't wash my hands yet. I didn't go to the bathroom. I'm full of garbage. I'm schmutz. I'm, I'm, I'm disgusting. Let me go to the bathroom. Let me wash my hands and my face. Take a shower. Oh, come out. Modani, thank you. No. Halacha is, the law is, you open your eyes, your mouth stinks, your body's filthy. Doesn't matter. You can't start your day. There's no connection between me and God until I say, Modani lefonecha. Thank you, Hashem. You gave me back my soul. I love you. Thank you, Hashem. That's it. I have so much to tell you tonight, but I don't have so much time. So I'm just going to tell you a secret. I'm going to give you over a secret. So Rosh Hashanah talks about tefillah. So I'm going to give you over a little bit of a secret. I'm sorry that I'm walking around. I'm a little ADD. I walk around since I'm a little kid. I can't help it. But my Rebbe fixed it. He gave me L-O-V-E. That fixes everything. little L-O-V-E, ADD, takes care of everything. So listen carefully. I'll tell you a very fast story. And then I'll, I'll put it all together and it'll answer your questions. There was this young little boy. They don't do it anymore. I don't think they do it in Great Neck. They don't do it in Brooklyn anymore. It's called the newspaper delivery boy. Now we go to the store. We buy the New York Post. This, that, now. We buy the Yated, the Jewish Press, the, all the Jewish Mishpacha. We don't buy all that other trash, right? So in the old days, when I was growing up 100 years ago, so there used to be a little boy on a bicycle. And he would make a nickel a newspaper, not a nickel a week for delivering the newspaper. And the people would get up early in the morning to go to work. They would take the paper. You'd hear it hit the door. At 4.30 in the morning, you hear boom. Right? You knew that he, the newspaper was there. The father would get his coffee and he'd read the newspaper. The kids used to work to make money. They used to work for a nickel a week. They used to deliver papers. So there was this little boy. And he was a news. I'm giving you, I want you to know, I'm giving you a secret today that you probably never heard before. And it's the greatest secret in prayer that exists in the world. And the Satan is very upset every time I give it, but I'll deal with them. Don't worry about it. I'll deal with them. You don't got to deal with them. But this is a very big secret in Tfilah. Listen carefully to the story. So this little boy, he was nine years old. And every day at 4.30, he was, that's what he did. He would go by with his bicycle and he would throw these newspapers. Where he lived, in the town that he lived, was the king. Now the king, I know I'm making you all nervous behind the speaker, but nothing I can do about it, even though we're not using the speaker. The king used to sit at 4.30 in his little garden. Not such a little garden. In his garden. And everything was quiet. Nobody was bothering him. Nobody asked him for everything. It's 4.30 in the morning. Nobody bothered him. And he used to sit there with his tea and look at the world and look at his country and just quiet. And every morning at 4.30, this little kid would come driving by and he'd say, Good morning, king. Here's your newspaper. Don't have to pay. You're the king. Right? You don't have to pay. Here's your newspaper, and I just want you to know, I love you. You're the, you know how little kids talk, you're the best king in the whole wide world. And my mommy and tati and my abba and imma, they say thank you, and I go to school, and you have such a good school, and I'm on a baseball team, and wow, you're the best king. Have a good day. And the king would wink at him. Have a good day. Now this little boy, his father was poor. He was a farmer. He used to grow potatoes. And he used to sell the potatoes to little to peasants, to poor people. Very cheap. The prime minister, who sat by the king, was also a potato farmer. And he called in the boy's father and he said, listen, 
You're selling potatoes too cheap. I, I, I can't sell so cheap. Either you raise your prices or you're going to see what I'm going to do to you. He says, I can't raise my prices. The peasants, these poor people, that's all they eat is potatoes. If I'm going to raise my prices, they're going to starve to death. He says, I don't care if they starve to death, said the prime minister. That's not my problem. We need to make money. Raise your prices. Of course, this boy's father was a good man. He didn't raise his prices. Two days later, the police came. They said, we heard this boy's father was talking bad about the king, and they threw him into the dungeon. But he wasn't worried, this, this man, because this man's best friend was the minister of the interior, very close to the king. So he called his friend and he said, listen, the prime minister, I don't know, I think he did this. Go to the king and tell the king that I am stuck in the dungeon. And I need to get out of here. They don't give us to eat. So, the minister of interior, the big shot in the government, right? Comes walking in, gets past all the guards. He has his badge and that. Comes up to the door of the king. Who's sitting there? The prime minister. The prime minister turns and he says, how can I help you? He says, well, Joe, you know, Joe's in jail. I got to get him out. He goes, oh, you want to talk to the king? You can't talk to the king. There's a war about to break out. The king said for the next three months, he talks to nobody. The minister of interior says, a war and I don't know about it? Secret war. You can't go in. He goes running back to the father who's now in the dungeon. says, I don't know what to, what to do. I couldn't get past the prime minister. The, the king won't talk to anyone for three months. For three months, I'm going to be dead in three days. There's no food, there's no water. But you know what? I know the biggest lawyer. The biggest lawyer. And that lawyer plays golf with the king. I'll get to the king that way. So he calls him the lawyer, his friend. He says, listen, they put me in the dungeon. I don't know why. Go to the king. You're his lawyer. You're his golf partner. And tell him I'm stuck in the dungeon for no reason. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Lawyer, he says, you know, I'm going to charge you for walking to the king, walking back to the king. Okay, charge whatever you have to charge me. What should I tell you? Can I tell a lawyer joke? Are there any lawyers in here? Okay, just a short lawyer joke. I have to give you a little simcha. You look so serious. So Nebuch, this poor lawyer, this poor lawyer goes up to Shemaim. He died very young. He died at 40 years old. Very young. Very, very tragic. He comes up to Shemaim. He stands in front of God. He says, God, how could you do this to me? I'm only 40 years old. How could you take me from the world when I'm only 40 years old? God says, you're only 40 years old? He says, yes, I'm only 40 years old. He says, angels, bring me his log on how much time he billed for being a lawyer. So they bring out the log, and God looks at it and says, according to your billing, you're 85. (laughs) All right, you have to hop it. Anyway, just a little lawyer joke. Okay, it's a joke, it's a joke, it's not true. They would never do something like that. All right. Anyway, so the lawyer comes, and the prime minister is sitting there, the prime minister is sitting there, and he says, you can't go in. The king, the king's very busy. You can't go in. Three months. The lawyer comes back, tells the father. Three months. The father says, what am I going to do? I'm going to die. Next morning, little boy goes past the king. Listen carefully. Little boy walks past the king. And instead of saying, I love you. You're the best king. His father's in jail. He's very nervous. So he walks by the king, takes the paper, throws it, says, have a good day. Starts walking. The king says, hey! Get back here. He says, no, no, king, no, I'm in a rush. Oh, my father, no, I don't want to bother you. The king says, get back here. I'm the king, get back here. The kid turns his bicycle around, comes back. The king says, get over here. What's this business throwing the paper at me? Good morning. What's wrong? What's bothering you? The king says, you know, king, you sit here, you have a half an hour in the morning before everyone makes you crazy. I'm not going to tell you my problem. Listen carefully. The king turns to the boy and says, you got it all wrong. He says, the greatest happiness that I have on the whole day is you. A whole day, people want, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Let's go to war. Let's not go to war. There's a machlekes. There's a this. There's a that. Can you check the real estate? There's a, a whole day, they make, they're bothering. They need it. You're the only guy. In the morning, you come to me and you say, I love you. You're the best. And you leave. You never ask me for anything. I look forward to you more than anyone else the whole day. What's wrong? And the kid says, you want to know what's wrong? My Abba is in jail. The kid says, your Abba's in jail for what? I don't know. They threw him into jail. Takes the kid by the neck. Says, let's go. We're going to jail. King walks into jail. Of course, all the guards, the king, wow. <gasps> king never comes to jail. 
Why is he here? He's here to see that little boy's father. He walks in, he says, what did he, to the warden, what did this man do? He says, I don't know, Prime Minister told me. Oh, Prime Minister did this. We'll take care of him later. Takes the kid, listen carefully. Takes the man, takes him out of jail. And as we know, when your person's in danger, you have to make, when you come out of danger, you make a suda called a sudah da'ah, to thank Hashem. So this guy throws a huge sudah da'ah. Huge party. Who walks in first? The Minister of Interior. He runs over to the man who was put in jail and he says, Tell me, who got you out? Is there a minister that's more powerful than me? Show me, who got you out? Who's closer to the king than me? And the father says, You're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. You see my nine-year-old son sitting in the corner with the ice cream all over his shirt and the chocolate dripping down his mouth? He got me out of jail. The ministry says, he says, listen, I'm not a fool. If you don't want to give me your secret man on the inside, don't. But don't tell me it's your kid. And he walks away angry. In walks the lawyer. He says to him, what lawyer is bigger than me? I play golf with the king. What lawyer got you out? You better tell me who the king is talking to. What lawyer besides me? He goes, oh no, I got to do this again. He says, you see that little kid now blowing his nose in that tissue? My son, that little nine-year-old kid. He got me out. What do you think? I'm stupid. I'm a lawyer. That kid didn't get you out. You don't want to tell me? Don't tell me. He walks away. Ten minutes later, the king walks in. The house is full. The king walks in. king never walks into a house. king walks in. The army behind him walks into the house. Everyone backs up. The king is coming to the peasant's house. What's going on over here? Walks in. Walks over to the little boy in the corner. Says, come here. Takes him. Gives him a little kiss on his kepal on his head. Gives him a kiss, he says. Everyone in the room, this is the best friend I have in the whole world. This little boy, every morning, I love you. I love you. Thank you. You're the best. I love you. He says, if it wasn't for this boy, I don't know how I'd get through the day. And the lawyer standing there is like, I, 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 I can't believe it. I play golf with him. And, and, and that kid in the mirror is like, I'm a minister. How did this kid pull this off? That the king loves him so much. And the answer is because the little boy every single day he didn't ask for anything. All he did was say I love you and thank you. Everybody in this room should know the secret of Rosh Hashanah and the secret of prayer. When you wake up in the morning before you ask I need this and I, you know we give God the whole list in Shemun Esrei. Shiduch, Panasah, Health, my mother, my father. We give the whole list. But before we give the whole list it's Moda'ani. It's good morning. How are you? Thank you. I love you. What a great world. I can see. I can hear. I can talk. God, I love you. Every morning, Chaim ben Moshe gets up and the first thing he says to Hashem and Miriam Basara gets up and the first thing she says to Hashem is, Thank you very much. That you gave me back my life. Have a good day. Now I'm going to go to the bathroom and wash my hands. So, therefore, when that person the day before had a tough day in business, or that girl went on a date, it was her eighth date and she thought he was going to propose, and instead he tells her we're never going out again. (laughs) And she's broken and she's sad. You can't say Moda'ani the next morning like that. You can't get up in the morning and say, I love you, Hashem! You're the best! What a life! That morning after you lose that big real estate deal, Chas Shalom, or someone gets sick or there's a tragedy, you can't, you're human. You can't get up and say, yay! So you get up the next morning and you say, <laughs> What happens? Hashem says, what happened to Miriam? Every day she's so happy. And she says, thank you. And now all of a sudden she's so upset. So you don't even have to tell Hashem what's wrong. Hashem says to you, I can't. You're my whole day. You're my whole life. You're everything to me. I need to know what's bothering you because I need tomorrow morning, I need you to say Modani the way you always say it. And that's the secret of Rosh Hashanah. 
Everybody thinks on Rosh Hashanah, you need to come to Hashem. I need this and I need this. Give me a good year and a rich year and a zivug year. Mistake. Mistake. You can't ask for any of that till you say thank you. If you don't say thank you, all of that doesn't begin. You don't say the brachas in the morning. You all know the brachas. Shalom Shani Goy. Right? You opened up my eyes. You gave me life. You don't say those brachas. You don't ask Hashem for anything until you say, And therefore, on Rosh Hashanah, the biggest mistake are people who come with a list. I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And they never said thank you. So then you're just one of those the whole day that comes by the king, and I need something. But when a person comes every morning and says, Hashem, I love you, and thank you very much, and you don't have to say, you could say it in English, you could say it in Persian, you could say it any way you want to say it. But the first thing you open your eyes is, Thank you, Hashem, that I got up this morning and who knows what's going to happen today. I might save a life. I might save my own life. I'll do a mitzvah. I can breathe. Thank you. I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I just want to tell you that I love you and you made a beautiful world with colors. You guys go into a fruit store. Girls, you go into a fruit store. There's millions of colors. Why? If you were colorblind, every fruit would look the same to you. It would just have a different shape. Hashem gave you colors. You walk in, there's green, there's yellow. Everything's yelling at you. I'm red. You want to eat me? I'm yellow. I'm green. Right? It's made for us. Does anyone here appreciate the colors in a fruit store? Do you buy flowers for Shabbos? Do you walk into a a flower store for Shabbos? Thousands of colors of different shapes and different flowers. Did anyone ever jump up when they walked out of the flower store? God, you're unbelievable. No, we walk out of the store and say, I can't believe I spent $15 on Oh my God, it went up in price. I go around the corner, it's cheaper over there. Instead of jumping up and down and saying, all those colors for me, all those colors for me, all those smells for me, all those different tastes for me, what a crazy world that Hashem created for me. That person will be answered on Rosh Hashanah for all his tools. So now, and I'm going to end with this thought. So now we understand why you can tell someone else to have a good year and, can, and that can have an effect. Because everybody in this room is a partner with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're all partners with Hashem. Hashem created this world for us to take things that are physical and make them spiritual. To take an apple and say, Borei Priya Eitz. A guy takes an apple, it stays an apple. You take an apple, and you make a bar for your H on the apple, it becomes spiritual. You go to the bathroom, the lowest part of a human being is the waist, is going to the bathroom. You can go to the bathroom, the most physical, low thing that a human being can do, and you walk out and you say, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Elcholam, Asher Yotzar. You make a bracha on it. Could you imagine? Could you explain that to another religion? Yeah, we make a bracha on going to the bathroom. You try to sell that to another religion. And the answer is yes, because everything we do, that we can go to the bracha, is also a chesed Hashem. So our power, what we do, is we take this physical, and we make it spiritual, and that's why Hashem created the world, and that's Rosh Hashanah. Why did Hashem bring us into the world? What do you need us for on the sixth day? Why did we come to the world? Everything Hashem prepared before then was physical. Trees and plants and sun and all the things that we have. And Hashem said, now I'm going to bring the human being who's my connection between physical and spiritual. We connect it. Even time. We connect. Rosh Chodesh is time. Motzei Shabbat, tonight. One second between Shabbat, right, before you smoke that cigarette. I can't smoke the cigarette, and now I can smoke the cigarette. So time also became holy. One day a week is holy. Everything in this world that's physical becomes spiritual. When did that happen? When Hashem created the world. What is Rosh Hashanah? When He created us, we became a partner. If I'm a partner, Hashem, in your world, that I can take an apple and make it holy, that I can take a fish and buy it for Shabbat and make it holy, that I can take a bean and make cholent, I don't know what you guys do with it, what? Right? Or, or rice and make whatever you make with it. You can take a piece of rice and I can make it for Shabbat. And it's holy. And therefore, I'm a partner, Hashem. Everyone in this room is a shutaf, is a partner with Hashem. 
If you're a partner in the creation of this world and the reason the world's here, if I'm a partner, I can give you a bracha. You should have a good year because I'm a partner in this world. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah at night, and in, in Nehemiah, he said, stop crying. It's not Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is no connection between spiritual and physical. It's all spiritual. You can't eat. You can't, you can't drink. Right? You can't wear shoes. Anything physical, you're not allowed to do Yom Kippur because you're Malach Hashem. Yom Kippur, you're not making a world. You're not creating a world. You're a Malach. A Malach doesn't eat or drink. Yom Kippur, you're supposed to cry. Yom Kippur, you're supposed to fast. You're not allowed to fast on Rosh Hashanah. It's an Avera to fast on Rosh Hashanah. Why? I want to fast. I did a lot of sins. No. Rosh Hashanah is connecting the physical with the spiritual. Therefore, we sit at night and we take an apple and we dip it in honey and we say you should have a good year because the apple wasn't created just to eat. The apple is created to connect. Why an apple? So I'll tell you very fast. Why an apple? Because we are called, the human being is called the Eitz HaSadeh, the tree of the field. Shlomo Melech calls the field State Tapuchim in Shirashirim. What's the field? In, in Ghanaian, it's called State Tapuchim. So a human being is considered an apple tree. What comes from an apple tree? An apple. So when we are representing the human being dipped in the honey, so we represent it with an apple. Comes from state tapuchim. Why honey? Why bees honey? Because honey, listen carefully. The law is that anything unkosher, what comes out of it is unkosher. A pig has milk, you can't, you can't have the milk. A bee is not kosher. It's a sheretz. If you eat a bee, you're over six, 12 averes. So why are you allowed to have, why are you allowed to have honey from a bee? Why is it kosher? Honey from a bee should not be kosher. And the answer is, because what does a bee do its whole life? It gathers honey. And it, it, it pollinates. It goes from one flower to the next flower, from one tree to the next tree. That's what a bee does. So Hashem says that anything that works for me in my world, and all it does is keep my world going, then I cannot make something that comes from it not kosher. My hakarot tov, my appreciation to the bee, there's a saying in English, busy as a bee. A bee, all it does is pollinate, pollinate, pollinate the world. Hashem says, something that all its life, it works for me, then what comes from it has to be kosher. Even if it's not kosher. So we all sit, Rosh Hashanah at night, and we say, Hashem, I'm also not kosher. I did Averot, 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 Averot. I'm a bug. I'm a sheretz. I'm a lowlife. I'm so miserable. But Kodesh Baruch Hu, I also did good. I gave tzedakah to this person. I helped this family. I work. I work in the world. I, I, I fix shoes for people. I am like the bee. I keep the world going. So even though I don't deserve it, I'm a sheret. I'm a bug, like a bee. But Baruch Hu, I keep the world going by what I do. Therefore, what comes from me has to be kosher. And therefore, the, most, the best thing to put on the table is to remind Hashem of the bee. That even though the bee is not kosher, and I'm not kosher, but I'm working for you, Hashem. And if my life, I'm working for you, Hashem, then, then, then give me a good year. Then what comes from me has to be good. It can't be bad. You can't punish me. And that's what I do. And that's why we use dimash. From a bee, not from a date. So I want to end. I want to give you all a brach. And, and, and that's all the simonim. The fish, and the black-eyed peas, and the, and the cabbage, and, and, and the head of that lamb. That is all taking physical things and making them spiritual. But the most important thing is not the apple and the honey or the head of the fish. The most important thing is the Hiratzon. So I'm going to end with this fast story to understand the Hiratzon because I'm very late and we have to go. But everyone here has to know that you're a partner. You're a partner with Hashem in creation of the world. It's a very serious, it's a very serious thing. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. So I'm just going to end with a, with a short story and, and we're going to be out of here. In the Gemara it says that a Roman walked into the Beis HaMikdash and he saw a room and he asked the Kohen Gadol, what's in that room? And the Kohen Gadol said, wood. He said, wood for what? He said, wood for the Mizbeach. The Roman said, I thought your God sends a fire down. I thought you didn't need wood. So the Kohen Gadol said, we're partners. God sends the fire, we supply the wood. The Roman general wrote a letter to the Caesar in Rome and said, the Jews are the worst religion in the world. They hold themselves so big that God needs them as a partner, we should wipe them out. The chutzpah. Who in this world thinks God needs you as a partner? Right? So listen to the answer. So he said there's a story of a big locomotive, an engine. You know, you have a train that goes through here. Big locomotive pulling a lot of, a million tons of coal. And the locomotive is moving very slowly. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of flies come by, little flies. 
and one fly says to the other, ooh, let me jump on the locomotive, I'll, I'll move my wings real fast, and I'll push it. All the fly says, are you a sugar Are you a sugar to fly? You think you're going to land, you're stupid, you're going to land on a locomotive, and your little teeny wings are going to make the difference? You're wasting your time, said the Roman. You Jews are the same. What do you think? You think by eating an apple or by giving a dollar? Imagine, God's running the whole world. He's giving us all life and air and sun and moon and water. He's doing a million things. You walk along, you go to, to a store and there's a lady, please, can I have some money, tzedakah, tzedakah? And you go into your pocket and you take out a dollar and you give her the dollar. I'm a partner with God! Huh? You're a fly trying to push a locomotive. What are you, crazy? You're a partner, he needs you? For one dollar, you became a partner? That's pretty cheap, you know? He's running the whole world. God needs you. You're the fly on the locomotive. True, right? Wrong. The comparison is the following. I don't know who built Sukkot here, but I build a Sukkah. I build a beautiful Sukkah. I go to the store. They have new stuff now. Lights flashing and little birds singing. And you build a Sukkah. You got all this laminated stuff, double laminated stuff. And I build a Sukkah. It's gorgeous. And my little daughter comes home from school. She's in first grade. And she says, Amba, I made something for the sukkah. I'm like, what did you make? And she takes out this little chain of paper, different colors. And what does every father, I hope, and mother say? Wow! Let's go and hang that up. Thinking to yourself, this ruins my whole sukkah, but I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not saying anything to her. She's my daughter, right? Gets up on the ladder. She hangs it up. He comes down, he looks, comes down the ladder, she's standing next to him, this little kid, and she's like, wow. And he's like, you know, Miriam, the sukkah wasn't, didn't look nice, but now that I hung up your chain, it's beautiful. Mommy, mommy, come and look. Our little daughter made the whole sukkah beautiful. And the mother walks in. Where? The chain, the chain, the chain, the chain. She made the chain. Right, the mother walks in. Oh, Miriam, my gosh. It's beautiful. That's a good parent. When I was a kid, my father went out, he bought for the Seder. He bought, I think it cost him $1,200, a beautiful silver bowl that you put the salt water in by the Seder to, to, to dip everything into. I came home from school. You know, every kid in school makes something. I made a foam cup, little foam cup with a couple of foam flowers out of it. I came home, I said, Tati, Dad, I said, look what I made for the salt water. And he was like, wow, mommy, come, look what he made. Let's put that on the center. He was like, oh my God, I bought twelve or $1,500 silver thing. And this is what I got to use, you know what I mean? But he wouldn't tell that to me. And he puts it on the table. And the whole Seder, do you see what he did? Now let's dip, that, let's dip the radishes into that salt water. That's a chaya made the cup. And I was like, I made the whole Seder, right, Tati? I did the whole Seder. I, I made the whole sukkah. And yes, you did, 100%. Avinu Malkeinu. We say it. You guys say it in Slichus. We call Hashem our Father. So when we do a little chesed, a little something, of course, giving that lady the dollar, that's not what's keeping up the world, but Hashem, when you give that dollar, it's just that little boy and that little girl. And Hashem says, look! Look what Chaim just did! He put a dollar into a poor man, poor woman's hand in my world! He made the whole world! He put on tefillin. He made the whole world. The Malachim like, what? God, you're doing so much. It's my son. What do you, you know what I'm talking about? This is Chayim. He put on tefillin. If it wasn't for him, the world would be destroyed. The whole sukkah wouldn't look good. The whole Seder table wouldn't look good. Look what he did. That's because Hashem is our vino. Hashem is our father. And a father doesn't look at how much money you spend or the size of the shul you build. He looks at the little things. The love and the care that you put into the things that you do for him. Be macabre on yourself, this Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Rabbi Shimshim Pinker said a very scary thing. He says, part of the judgment is God says to the person, if I created the world and I had to put one person in the world, do you think it would be you? Scary question. Are you at that point in Rosh Hashanah, like I created Adam, one person? Rosh Hashanah is when he created Adam. Would you be Adam? Are you Adam? Tough question. And the answer is, don't worry. You don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is lend a little bit of a hand. So that Shemsh could say, look how beautiful my world is. Chaim did a mitzvah. Maishi did a mitzvah. Miriam did a mitzvah. Miriam 
dresses differently than she used to, a little more tzniyut than she used to. Rabbi, what does God care? Some one of the girls asked me, what does God care how the length of my skirt? He really cares. It really bothers him if I cover my arms or I don't. Come on, give me a break. And the answer is, yes! She's in my sukkah! The more tzniyut she's dressed, the more beautiful she is, I can tell anyone, look at Miriam! Because of her, I created the world. Look at Chaim. He stopped looking at girls. He stopped going to clubs. Stop wasting his time. That's not the beauty of the world. That's the kid who walks into the sukkah and takes a handful of mud and throws it against the wall and tries to make Hashem's world ugly. What are you going to be, this Rosh Hashanah, guys? Are you going to be the beautiful thing hanging in Hashem's sukkah? Or are you going to be the mud on the wall? That's your choice. Because if you're not the beautiful thing in the sukkah, then Hashem doesn't need you in His world. So when you come to Hashem and you say, give me life, you better be have a reason that Hashem should give you life. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to stop fasting. And you don't have to stop doing crazy things. Just little things with feeling. But stop throwing mud at him. Don't come every morning and say, so what did you do for me lately, God? Because then Akash Baruch is not interested in what you have to say the rest of the day. Yeah, there are people that get up and say, not what I'm doing for you. What are you doing for me today? That stock that I bought, huh? You going to take care of it? Huh? You going to take care of that piece of real estate guy? What's up with you? Forget it. Forget it. The rest of the day, you're wasting your time. Your day has to start with Moda'ani. Your year has to start with Moda'ani. Your year has to start with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I am your son. I am not perfect. I am not perfect. But I want to make your world a better place. I want to hang in your sukkah. I want to be on your seder table. So this year I'm going to change one little thing. One little thing. So when Hashem looks and says, does this person deserve to live? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, not only does he deserve to live in my world, he deserves for me to create my world for him. That is the biggest bracha that a person can have. And that's what we do Rosh Hashanah at night. We dip the apple in the honey. And we say, Hashem, I am going to take physicality of this world and I'm going to make it spiritual. I'm not going to just eat an apple. And that's what we need to know. So I'm asking everybody, you should all, I'm giving you a big bracha. You should all have a ksiv If you need shiduchim, you should have shiduchim. And you should have refuos. Shalom bayis. Watch the guys on this one. Panasatova! They're all the same. They're all the same. Nachas from the children. We should all have nachas from each other. And Hashem should build the base Hamigdash. And bring us all back to Eretz Yisrael. Amen. All the all the girls that would like to buy tickets, what I told Abhivit is being that you came. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by Torahanytime.com.